0: Doctor Who Flashcast is back. I'm Jason Snell. I'm joined by uh, one of the Verities who got away this week and escaped to refuge. Here, it's Erica Ensign.
1: Hi. Hello. It's lovely to be here. I
0: was listening to Verity this week, and I I I, uh, I uh, felt fortunate that uh, I was able to snag you because you're not going to be <laughs> able to do the Verity podcast this week. So
1: no, no, I was I was really bummed because I hate well I hate missing an episode under normal circumstances, but I really hate missing an episode while Doctor Who is airing because, you know, I have so many thoughts and feelings about every single episode. I know. I'm very, very happy for the outlet. I felt bad
0: actually for for Liz on the last one because she wasn't on and then I read her blog (laughs) post, which was sort of a very lengthy, much more than she would have ever gotten into on on Verity because it was, I think she just said it was, you know, like a thousand words of flailing (laughs) about how great the the uh the first episode was but we're here to talk about the second episode Mm -hmm. of series nine the witch is familiar following on on the magician's apprentice Mm -hmm. and uh we we you know the title the title i think both of these titles are about clara
1: i have that at the very top of my notes yep (laughs) absolutely
0: i mean we i i suspected that but now it's clear because with the witch is familiar i was like either missy is going to have her own uh like companion which in this story it turned out that was not what was going to happen and so Mm -hmm. since missy and clara spend most of the episode together um and and missy explains a lot of stuff and tries to kill her too but explains a lot of stuff and it's like yeah so in the first episode we see her relationship with the doctor and this one she has this uh, relationship with with uh with missy so she's got time lords all around
1: yep yeah. And you're one up on me. I didn't suspect that it was going to be about Clara because I was I was puzzling over what the name for the previous episode meant. And I, I never I guess I didn't think ahead. I knew the next one was called The Witch is Familiar, but I didn't I didn't put it in my head to try to figure out who that was going to be. So I was just kind of baffled about what it meant in the first place. And now it seems very clear.
0: I guess I had a little like a Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell thing going on or something like that, where <laughs> I just thought it's these are all about you know mag- mag- magical people and their apprentices and their their assistants essentially. Which hey, mm-hmm. Doctor Doctor Who, that's what it is, right? It's the magical yeah. guy and his uh, and his little little friends. Yep. Um But uh, lots of great, lots of great Clara and Missy stuff. I guess we should start there, right? This mm-hmm. is another episode where we really have three key characters in here. I mean, four if you throw in Davros, but three characters that we've seen before. And so Missy and Clara get paired off and have a large chunk of episode to interact amusingly uh, with each other while the Doctor and Davros sort of speak and yell and are cryptic toward one another.
1: (laughs) Yes, I... I the Missy and Clara scenes, you know what, I think I actually preferred the two of them in the previous episode to this. Hmm. I really, I there was a lot to love here, and I, I liked the episode overall, but the one thing that was the weakest for me was Clara seemed very kind of meek and stupid in this episode in comparison to how i feel like she usually comes off uh in the last episode she's like you know very strong when she's first meeting with missy having you know coffee and the canary islands or wherever that is and here she she starts out okay but then i don't know it just seems like she gets she gets dumber and dumber as the episode goes on maybe because she had that fall and she knocked her head or something like that but she really, she kind of falls for Miss, Missy's shtick a little bit too much. Like, Missy, you know, hey, take a look at this. And Clara has already tried to kill, well, not tried to kill her with a, a pointy stick, but, you know, sort of sort of threatened to. And yet when Missy says, here, come take a look at this thing. No, look closer. I'm sorry, but when somebody's speaking to you in that particular tone, <laughs> like it was just very obvious that she, she let herself get bamboozled. And then she let herself get bamboozled into the middle of a Dalek. And then the part that just... <laughs> ticked me off the most is that at the end instead of the smart clever resourceful clara that we know and love the one that we saw last episode who was trying to figure out why the planes were stopped in the sky and doing a pretty good job of it um she doesn't figure out how to overcome the limitations of being within a dalek and let's take a moment to laugh at the fact that jenna coleman is in the side of a dalek again again Mm. yep um but she instead of instead of trying to come up with something different to say that a Dalek would be able to say that the doctor would understand, I feel like that's something that should not be beyond the Clara that we know. Um, no, she just keeps trying to say her name, which she knows doesn't work. Right. So I just... Yeah, my headcanon is that she, she bumped her head and, and we'll be back to normal <laughs> next time. Oh, gosh, I, I hope so.
0: I mean, obviously, the, the it is a very amusing scene of her saying these things on the inside and it all coming mm-hmm. out with the typical kind of Dalek speak. Like, there is literally a filter that is what causes yes. Daleks to talk that way. Now we know that is just... You know, that's how it works. But you're right... I, you know, I, I guess Stephen Moffat didn't want to get into it, but it would have been, I, I think, entertaining to see Clara in there trying to phrase things differently and come up with like, you know, like a, like a word game where you can't say the thing, so you have to you have to speak around it and try to get to it, and have mm-hmm. her be rep- repulsed at all fronts but instead she's just repeating and although that is is funny you're right i i was expecting her to try to be a little more clever and you know and be rebuffed and have it turns out that the daleks really can't say that many things and she can't nuance her way out of this because there's no nuance when daleks talk but Mm -hmm. um she didn't try
1: No, so. she didn't. Like I would have gone for numbers or something. Like you know, Daleks know numbers. Right. So if you you know just start rattling off some numbers that have some meaning for her yeah. and the doctor, it's like, like her phone feel, number. Bye. Yeah, right. She could have. She could have. You know, eight six seven five three zero nine or you know whatever. She she could have made it work. Yeah, Daleks don't know
0: that song. No, nope. it's Tommy Two Tone. <laughs> it's Clara in there. That would that would be enough. The doctor would totally get that. Mm-hmm. It's um, one thing I will say about about uh, Clara being kind of kind of um conned by missy at a point is i i feel like you could you could argue that what you're really seeing there is that it's clara um falling back into pattern of being the companion that she Mm -hmm. kind of lets herself Uh, forget for a little bit that missy is evil and basically play the part uh, let her be the doctor and clara is clara and and all of that i that would be my like trying to explain why that behavior might be is that it's that it's like now she's just investigating on an alien planet with a time lord it's is it that different
1: if it was any other companion besides clara oswald i would say that makes sense to me but she has been from the beginning Well, maybe not from the beginning, but certainly over the last season, built up to be less and less generic companion and more and more doctor-like. So for her at this point, I feel like the default is to be more doctor-ish. So I don't know about that. But she really did feel like generic companion Mm -hmm. to Missy.
0: Yeah, I I think that's... I think that's true, and I guess I guess that's Missy's shtick, Although seeing Clara kind of fall into it is not as 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 pleasant. But um, you know, Missy's point all along is, you know, oh, you're just another one of those. And even if, and even if we think, well, actually, Clara is very she's very good at this, better than most of them. And she has this grounding in the Doctor's history because of her role in his timeline that no other companion had. So she's she's not the average companion, but. You know, from the, from the master's viewpoint, right? From Missy's viewpoint, mm-hmm. is close
1: enough, right? <laughs> she's, just she's like She may be a really cute and really clever puppy, but she's still a still puppy. Still a puppy. Yeah. Um,
0: so, still a lot of a lot of really um, fun moments. Uh, they wake up as we all, I think, suspected uh, <laughs> that, you know, when they look like they're getting disintegrated, they're actually not because that's the whole that's Missy's shtick and the master shtick. Right. Is suffice yep. it to say, it looked like I got shot, but I didn't. But then what we get in the very first thing is um, she proceeds to explain through a story about the doctor how mm-hmm. you do do this like how she does what she does where it looks like she's been disintegrated and she hasn't actually hasn't been and i thought that was really interesting as clara's hand hanging upside down um I thought that was uh, an interesting it's like the the villain explaining one of their tricks except it turns out that she just sort of ripped off one of the doctors escape tricks I like that and I also like that they they embedded that little flashback in it because she's telling a story and she's like "Eh, it happened a long time ago and like it could have been Tom Baker it could have been William Hartnell let's say it's the eyebrows and then we see Peter Capaldi (laughs) I thought that was really beautiful.
1: It was a wonderful way to insert a little bit of fan service, yeah, which always feels good in you know an opening story for the the series. And coming from Moffat, it just feels so natural. So I I appreciated that very much.
0: When I saw the the hat and the scarf, I was like, oh, they're doing that again. Well, that's fine. And that, but I I had no idea what the second one would be. And I I thought William mm-hmm. Hartnell that actually was a really nice uh, a, really, a really nice bit. And the, the point, I mean, I like not in addition to being fan service, it is also the. Uh, you know, saying these are fundamental things about the doctor, just like he said the previous week when he said, you mm-hmm. know, a couple of days ago I was wearing a a scarf and then I was wearing a bow tie or whatever it is. <laughs> yep. Um it's a, the, it's a party and all of me are invited. Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, but I, I did like that story. The it, it it seemed very much like your traditional Doctor Who, right? Invisible androids with <laughs> lasers that are trying to kill him, and and uh, and then and also,
1: vampire monkeys at the yeah, end.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you don't want those. He, yep. You know, no, he did. Was he safe? No, because he moved on to the next adventure. Because that's what the doctor does. I, oh. I thought that was really, I thought that was really fun. Um, uh, let's see what else. So, so they went. They go through the Dalek sewers,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which brought up um uh, Curse of Fatal Death to me a little bit. Which, oh,
1: I didn't even think of Curse of Fatal Death. <laughs> where I was the Master actually...
0: keeps falling into the into the the the, the sewers, maybe even Dalek was, sewers. Yeah,
1: I was thinking of. um of the, the Daleks, the original story where they, you know, have to sneak in through the tunnels and stuff that are underneath the city, which, which I had trouble with a little bit. And this is, this is me being pedantic, classic Doctor Who fan, um, before I caught myself and slapped myself in the face and was like, hey, wake up. Uh, but I was just like, well, you know, they didn't. There were no squelchy dying Daleks under the city right. at that time. Why? Why would the sewers be alive? Um, it just didn't click. And then I realized, well, we are, you know, many millions, probably, of years exactly down the line at that time it was still very very early those are all
0: the ruins of when they were not just when there were thals and Mm Kalids, and they were not just the daleks i think is how i how i did it although i i really the way they did it and I, i i gotta think that they were they were um there was a note about trying to make it look like this there's a scene uh toward the end when uh the doctor and clara are out there on sort of up on the rocks and all mm-hmm. in on scarrow and i thought this could be the exact same place where he landed with ian and barbara and susan yeah. in that you know fifth mm-hmm. 25 minute episode in in 1963 <laughs> could be the yeah. exact same place because i think that was what they were going for is there's the mountains out there and the cities down here and that's what we know about scarrow mm-hmm. that was pretty cool um, I really enjoyed this week, by the way, of Radio Free Scaro because you know Radio Free Scaro talking about things that happen on Scaro. Extra bonus points. Yes. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's true. just a non sequitur. It's like, what does this even mean? But it's a whole two part. No, nope, This time it's legit. It's right there. Mm-hmm. They could have those little those little things at the top of the buildings. Those could be radio antennas for all we know. Oh, they do
1: look like it. Mm, yeah,
0: um, that that's a little off topic, but I just it was <laughs> it was here, so I wanted to. To mention, I'm trying to see if there's anything more in the Missy Clara thing that I had. Is there anything more that you were thinking about in that in that part of the show?
1: I no, just that I still love Missy so much. Uh, oh, I, I feel like yeah. she stole the first episode. I feel like she stole this one too. Uh, Michelle Gomez's performance is just—I mean, I I love her to death. And now you know, the, the, there's lots of scuttlebutt that you know someday maybe the doctor will be a woman. And I I almost feel like, I mean, she's so amazing as the master. It's like, now I want her as the doctor, but yeah. she's already been used as the master. And, you know, then we'd need some kind of weird, hinky reason for her to be, you know, the doctor. And so my brain went off in that direction for a little while because she's just so amazing.
0: The um, I think she does. I mean, she does a very good job. I, I think it's also, dare I say it. A redemption of the master a lot a little bit, like a rehab of the master. That <laughs> mm-hmm. that John Sim, a, a very good actor, but you know, Russell T. Davis's take on the master was that he was completely deranged. Just unhinged, bananas, but like I mean, the master's always gonna be a little bit bananas, but but like just unhinged, crazy, mm-hmm. out of yep. completely lost, out of control. Irrational. And and then, you know, your Anthony Ainley is a cackling mustache twirling villain and, and and a a little more of a of a uh straightforward arch nemesis suave kind of thing when when you go back to Roger Delgado. But but with with Ainley's performance and, and the scenery chewing from him and uh Eric Roberts, and then you get to the totally out of control John Sim, and I feel like Michelle Gomez for A performance that is not exactly she's not exactly holding back right and yet i feel like it is more well-rounded like the master is a time lord uh she uh is smart and has a lot of the same traits as the doctor but not all of them and Mm -hmm. that's better than being like totally unhinged crazy villain killer with crazy schemes which is Mm -hmm. uh not as interesting a character
1: to me. I agree. I think that, I think, actually, I think that she is a perfect sort of balance of all of the different qualities of the master, like you, like you mentioned. And I think that it works very well because there are a lot of people for whom the John Sim master is really the only master right. that they know. So for them, they don't really care about the Delgado-esque qualities that she has. <laughs> um, so I think that this was a very skillful kind of balancing and blending of both because you've got the, you know, the bananas thing and the completely h- evil and just, you know, Willing to disintegrate people at the drop of a hat, mm-hmm. which very well fits in with the the John Sim master the way he was portrayed, but you know then she 's got the style and the elan of of the Delgado master in there, as well as some of you know occasional goofiness like the Ainley master and right. you know we may have left out Peter Pratt a little bit there, but yeah, that's it's rotting, rotting husk, master. She has yes, very little you,
0: rotting husk about her, though. No,
1: she really doesn't. Although, you know, <laughs> that Peter Pratt was was pretty bonkers off his rocker at that point. That's too, true. was just yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true.
0: I think that's when the master kind of lost it. But I think I think yes. Missy's getting it back together now. Yes. And but, you yeah, know, it's also it, the Time Lord thing. It, it just I, I I like not just the line about the the you're the puppy, but th- this whole idea that. Um, we judge the master as this other villain, but what Missy says, and she may be lying, but what she's saying is, you know you humans do, you know don't even understand that that uh, you know to your eyes, I'm very different from the doctor, but trust me, we are we are the same. And you can believe that or not, but on one level, it's totally true. Like we don't mm-hmm. really understand Missy because like the doctor, she's kind of this mysterious other force. She just doesn't have the morals about like killing people randomly, which is why she's bad.
1: Right. I mean in in the previous episode um the the one part that I wasn't super keen on the idea of the doctor sending her his his last confession thing but then we came to the scene where the doctor's being led out of the the little you know prison chamber and says to her gravity and she's like i know and i realized okay these are two people who are communicating on the same level and mm-hmm. there really is nobody else in the universe who is who is on that same level and i got the same feeling in this episode when missy busts in and shoots the things so the doctor is no longer held right. uh, in front of davris and she's she's just sort of sitting there watching the doctor do his thing you know smiling being like oh i know that look she knows what's going on because they are of a pair yeah, in my head canon, um, your last will and testament
0: of being a Time Lord has to go to another Time Lord. And so, yeah, you know, that makes who sense. else would it be? Mm-hmm. The yeah. Meddling Monk, perhaps, but <laughs> not available.
1: No, uh, no not no, no, yet anyway.
0: Not yet. Um, so we talk about the Doctor and Davros now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Ah. Um, uh, <laughs> 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 I you know it it's it, just to uh, to leap forward to the end a little bit it's like I kind of I kind of I mean okay it's a trick of course it's a trick it's an mm-hmm. evil it's an evil <laughs> scheme and plan by Davros and the Daleks to steal the blah 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 right okay I kind of liked it when it wasn't I kind of I kind of liked it when you know, maybe there was some evil scheming there, but that there's also some truth there. And I have to ask myself how much truth was there at all in the end? Cause I really liked Davros sort of, uh, uh, getting real for a minute and and, <laughs> and 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 like coming to terms with the fact that he's created these monsters but they're his people and they're his monsters and and that, drawing those parallels with the with the time lords and i was you know i was i i was kind of disappointed that that uh some of that got invalidated because it was an evil scheme i know it has to be an evil okay, scheme okay th-
1: this is where you and i are on the exact opposite sides right. because i i I was almost literally on the edge of my seat. I was sitting forward on the couch watching that whole scene, just thinking, don't let this be true. Please, please, <laughs> please let this be some sort of fake out. It has to be a fake out. Right? Right? Because I hate this. I hate them softening Davros. I think. Oh, yeah. I think, modern, he's a, I think he's a monster, right? He is. And modern television, I think, takes pains to soften villains too often for my liking. You know, everybody's got a good side. And while, you know, maybe, maybe in real life we should take pains to do that more, but this is TV, gosh darn it. And I like some of my bad guys to just be bad guys. So when the doctor grabbed onto the, uh, the pipe that was actually a snake and started, you know, getting zapped. I was just like, hallelujah! You know, I wanted to just jump up and down and scream, yay! Because I didn't want Davros crying. I just, I liked the idea that he is such a crafty old snake that, no, no pun intended, that he, um, that he even pulls out the emotion and is able to play the doctor like a fiddle, he thinks, um, by, by appealing to the, the weakness in him, the compassion, and that it works like a charm. And then, I mean, Yes, the doctor says he did it on purpose and he let him, but who knows? This is the doctor. The doctor sometimes has you know a little more braggadocio than mm. is necessarily warranted. So maybe he just realized after the fact that that was going to happen. And and maybe Davros did actually play him. Who knows? I like the ambiguity there.
0: I, I'm not in favor of softening Davros. And I did actually have that memoir. I'm like, are we going a little too far in rehabbing Davros here? But I did like the idea of... Taking this figure who could be who can be and actually beyond um, Genesis of the Daleks, I think generally has been portrayed as being a little more of a cardboard villain, you know, mm-hmm. a, 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 right all the way to the stolen earth where he is just um, it's kind of fun, but he's just a screaming crazy monster person i mean he's like just as far over the top you can't even see the top from there and so i like (laughs) the idea of like pulling him back a little bit and like why did he do it why is he the way he is why did he did he choose to create these monsters and and I felt like I got a little bit of that. I just, I, you know, I kind of liked, I, I kind of would have liked him to die sort of not asking for forgiveness, but understanding. Like, this is why I did what I did and you can call me a monster if you want, but I did this for my people and have the doctor have to live with like, all right, you know, that's, I, he's, he's a, he's a monster, but, you know, he's forced me to, you know, at least understand his motivations here, who made Davros, right? Um And, you know, I got a little bit of that, but yeah, in the end, it's like, well, ha you've fallen into my trap, Doctor, which, you know, we've seen a lot before, and it was fine, I, I... I mean, again, otherwise, I'm not sure you have an episode. What happens after Davros dies having explained himself to the Doctor? Does the Doctor go, Welp, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm out of here. No, that would be not a very good episode, I think. No, very, very true. But, very but true. I, you know, a little more depth to Davros. And maybe we got it. Maybe we Wait, didn't.
1: The fact that he, that he actually said all of those things and used that against the Doctor means that, at least as a character, he has considered all of those. So, yeah, I guess we don't know... How much of it he means and how much of it he feels, but I mean, I was going to say how much is coming from his heart. Dude, literally doesn't have a heart anymore. Yeah. So at this point, I mean, yeah, we got yeah, the, we,
0: we got that when the doctor steals his chair, which we need to talk about. He, we get the scene where he's on the ground like the Borg Queen in uh, in uh, mm-hmm. whatever Star Trek Star Trek First Contact, right? Where yep. he's got like the t- like the tubes and the and the wires and stuff coming out of the bottom half of him that's not there anymore, mm-hmm. which was well, really mean, really cool because that's what it would be, right? That's the implication of him sitting in that chair for the last forty years. That's been the implication. Other than when well, he, he was, was just ahead,
1: he was literally just ahead for a while. <laughs> yeah, so he was. My thought we is he probably he probably you know got sick of just being ahead, so he had he built himself this you know shoulders, arm, body sort of a thing,
0: a uh, exoskeleton with just some skin. just so
1: he could at least feel the way that you know that he had been for a while. Yeah, <laughs>
0: for limited cloning ability mm-hmm. or something. So the doctor steals his chair, and that <laughs> that is a very that is a hilarious. There are a, a series of hilarious things that happen, but Peter Capaldi, like, r- riding around in a bumper car of Davros's chair is just... <laughs> It's, anyone for dodgems i oh, love it it's amazing and mm-hmm. and he's got the whole thing and then when davros calls in and colony star for, you know captures him mm-hmm. he says you know the seat is taken which is a yes. that, that made me laugh out loud
1: oh the tea the tea i love it like after yeah. they shoot him and he's fine he's like you know how do you get the cup get the of tea, tea?
0: <laughs> yep <laughs> the doctor just accepted. it oh yes <laughs> that was uh that was beautiful well, there is i think nothing better than the doctor taking some time out just for fun and to taunt the daleks Mm-hmm. Which this is true, you know, even though he thinks the Clara is dead or does he really, and all of that he he's got some time he's got time to just make fun of the Daleks for a while. I think that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing um, yeah. and then later we get the callback where um where Davro says i've gotten a i've I've gotten you a very rare thing, doctor. It's <laughs> yes, the only other he- chair
1: on Scarrow <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was that was just priceless. I, yeah, I feel and, and like really Stephen like Moffitt... then I'm looking at it going, yeah, where the hell would he Why? have gotten that from? The guests I mean, it. it what is there Very a guest strange. room
0: somewhere where there's occasional guests need to? It was,
1: well, maybe a cell somewhere. Yeah,
0: maybe, well, it looked like a nice chair, like from a. I don't. I don't even know. It obviously for forty years, Stephen Moffat has been writing down little ideas of jokes about the Daleks, and he's like, finally, I'm mm-hmm. going to.
1: This is one he didn't have time to. He didn't have a chance to use in coupling, so he's yep. just been saving it ever since then. Yeah. So he put it, he put it here. Hey, Davros uh, apparently, I guess, has eyes. He just doesn't like using them. Yeah, I was trying to remember, you know, if there's anything in you know televised canon that talks about this before and. Not that I can remember, yeah. but my, my memories of, of Dalek episodes tend to kind of run together and get a little bit sketchy, so I'm, I'm not sure. But I, th- I thought that was kind of in, a nice touch. I mean, if if Davros is really trying to, to tug at the old heartstrings there, that was, that was a good way to do it. Yeah, it's like the uh, Dalek in, in Dalek a little bit.
0: It's like, let me mm-hmm. look upon you with my own eyes. So it's like, all right. right. Uh, but it's all, uh, again, it's all a, it's all a trap. Except the Mm -hmm. doctor is not amused. I did, when he's working with the cables there, I was expecting a joke. And I I guess the snake instead becomes kind of part of the plot. But I was expecting him to be pulling on the cables to hook up to Davros uh, while he's supposedly looking for the sunrise and say, nope, that that one's a snake.
1: (laughs) But that didn't happen because that was the little plot twist thing. Speaking of, of Daleks, um, I think there may have been a uh, Blake 7 reference in this one. Really? I don't really? know how up you are in Blake 7. Uh, not yes. at all. Okay, because the Daleks are, are saying "seek, locate, destroy" over and over again, and that's actually the name of an episode oh. of Blake Seven, uh, which is a show created by Terry Nation, creator of the Daleks. And actually, the villain who first appears for the f- first time in that episode, named Travis, um, also he's missing an eye, and so he only has one eye, and has a ro- he's missing an arm, so he has like a robotic arm. So there is like. Meow. A few little parallels. and There's some infiltration in a big city going on, so I was just kind of like, "Hey, seen some parallels." Maybe a little tip of the tip of the cap there. I wouldn't be surprised. I um, I
0: kept found myself wondering during the the climax about this idea of uh, of uh, a Dalek Time Lord hybrid, uh, which we know we don't see because apparently all the regeneration energy just brings all of the half dead Daleks in the sewers back
1: to life. But. I mean, think about going forward. Um, you saw all of those Daleks floating up from the city you yeah. know, from a distance, saying "All hail Davros" or whatever. Maybe some of you know. The, I'm, we, I'm guessing that sewer Daleks can't fly. So, hmm.
0: well, and and the and the Dalek Supreme says, you know, we we are improved or whatever yep. he
1: says. So it took for a little while.
0: Uh, yeah, I just I. But then I think about Donna, and I wonder if uh, oh, boy. if Dalek a Dalek human Dalek Time Lord hybrids would just you know their heads would explode. Burnout. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But that was a, it was a moment of like, whoa, what are they going to do here? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and the, the, you know, will they, will this be some new, for a moment I thought like, wow, this is going to be like the new Dalek that is the, you know, the most dangerous and, and, and because it's part-time Lord and we're going to deal with it later. And,
1: Maybe it still will. I I think it probably will. That's one of those things that, you know, even if Moffat himself doesn't deal with it, that's something that a future showrunner can come back to to make the Daleks even more interesting again.
0: Just leaving a thread right there where anyone can pick it up if they want.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was all also based on yet another bit of Time Lord mythology. We just, you know, they get sprinkled in. I don't know how many times over the new cl- new series of, of Doctor Who, but you get, oh yes, well this was a uh, a nursery rhyme on Gallifrey, and this was a sure. children's story, and here here we have a uh, a myth that uh, supposedly Davros thinks the Doctor ran away from. Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that was that was funny. That Do- Davros is is convinced that um, there's this. You know the the why did you run away? And he's right. Like bored is not a good enough reason. Um, that's,
1: I think that's interesting. Um, I like the idea of the doctor really just running away because he's bored. I (laughs) hope, I hope they never retcon it so that there was some other, you know, dire reason. I I love the idea that in the beginning, he just, he just wanted to get away from his, his society.
0: I think, I think it's arguable that that, that isn't a good enough reason. And and yeah, it Mm -hmm. may be the reason, but that, you know, really, is that it? And so to have Davros question it is fascinating to me. And I also like that, you know, he's convinced that whatever's in the, the last will and testament of the doctor is related to that and the doctor basically was like it's none of your business but i i never really believed that it was related to that i always always just believed it's like you know this is this is unrelated and this is tantalizing and it you know it makes you very excited that i'm coming to see you but you know i'm not i'm not convinced that 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 uh that confession disc or whatever it is is actually anything (laughs) relevant to anything because that seems like Mm -hmm. a, a setup i'm 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 only a little surprised that it didn't turn out to be the the trap that snares davros in the end
1: yeah although i don't know i feel like the doctor I, and peter capaldi's acting i think maybe just is a, a lot of the reason for this but i love the the different sort of phases he goes through throughout this episode when he is in the chair and you know zipping around yes it's a really funny scene but he just he comes off very much as this crazy old man mm-hmm who is at the end of his rope and as missy says he's the doctor without hope and then later in the scene when he's talking to davros he at first when he wakes up and he's in the chair he seems very sort of he really is the punk rock doctor at that point he's just sort of pouty he seems like he's upset at his authority figure and is just kind of kind of mopey about it and he you know he's He's got nothing less to lose, and at that point, it's like he doesn't even have any any hope anymore. So right. it, it's it, it's it's just so well done.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if I like the idea. See, because again, that that's totally true. But then at the end, he's sort of like, oh well, I knew it all along, and and that that can potentially undercut you if you believe him to
1: be telling the truth. Right? right. That, oh well, although he, he, he never know. claimed to know for sure about Clara. He was yeah, just true. you know, you better hope that she's still mm-hmm. alive somehow.
0: Um, I had two more points I wanted to mention. One is the uh, wearable technology, which is sunglasses <laughs> with a little bit of sonic in it, because he's said he's not carrying the sonic anymore, which I, I think is also interesting. But that was a, a funny, I mean, nice contemporary technology reference, wearable tech. But, mm-hmm. you know, the doctor is wearing sonic sunglasses, for God's sake.
1: It's It seems like every once in a while, the doctor needs a new thing, a new gimmick. Mm. Sometimes it's a catchphrase, sometimes it's something else. <laughs> I'm... I'm, I'm okay with this as long as it doesn't become too overused oh. uh, and I, I I like the idea of not having the sonic screwdriver for a while yeah. I mean in the in the classic series he well he didn't have it to start with and then he had it for many years and the the showrunner thought that it would become it was too much of an easy get out of jail free card sort of thing yeah. it, it became all-powerful so he said nope we're getting rid of it and then a ter zaps it and I almost cried as a child because oh. I just <laughs> the doctor says I feel like I just lost a friend and i was like i did just lose a friend um but i think that that was actually a, a good point and at this point i mean even in those days the, the sonic screwdriver was mostly just a screwdriver back then now it can literally do anything yeah, it's, it's a scanner it's a tricorder
0: so you can look at it and get readings from it it can yep yeah although although you know russell t davis had to invent the deadlock seal right because he's like oh geez yes. now i've got a thing that unlocks every door but this one really needs to be locked well, we'll mm-hmm. say it's deadlocked. Like, yeah, okay. Or wood. Yeah, or wood.
1: Yeah, yep. exactly. Those are the two things. So well, I'm, I'm okay with not having that. I'm just I i interested to see if these sunglasses stick around or disappear mm-hmm. fast. And then if they do stick around, what's their capability? Right. Is he suddenly going to have like a heads-up display on, on the inside of the <laughs> sunglasses that we're going to be seeing Terminator style? I, I, I hope they don't take it too yeah. far. But
0: uh, it was a good gag. And uh, Peter Capaldi looks great in the sunglasses, so I'm okay with it for yeah. now. I'll allow it
1: right here here
0: and the other thing i want to mention is at the end so we have this scene that we talked about where clara is trying to communicate to the doctor and she's failing and it's it's actually for for the issues of like clara not trying to work her way around it it is very funny with the i'm clara i'm clara it's like i am a dalek i am a dalek and you see it from the doctor's perspective (laughs) and it's like what are you you are a really messed up dalek why are you acting this way which is what he says and he's trying to work it out um, but at, the, at some point, when she says, "Oh, Doctor, don't kill me! It's me in here! It's me in here! Don't kill me!" A- and it translated as as mercy, mercy, and that is the that is like the wrapper of this episode is how do the Daleks have any conception of mercy? Where did that come from? Earlier, he and Davros had a whole conversation about how the basically the DNA of the Daleks is taken from him and his worldview, and the Doctor has this moment where he says, "I can go back." And and when I save Davros when he was a little boy, I can instill in him this concept of mercy. And maybe that's the thing that brings it all the way back around, which I think I thought was really, really kind of nice that that was his that was the doctor's little victory over Davros is is that exact thing, which is he shows him mercy. And that becomes something that somehow somewhere inside the Daleks, there is some some last little vestige of that.
1: Yeah, actually, at the end of the last episode... When we had the cliffhanger, I mean, my kind of my my thought of what Davros was trying to do, and it ended up not being exactly right. But I I kind of thought that Davros was trying to trick the Doctor into going back and killing him, yes, before he was even able to. Me too. That's, to what, I it, uh, that's yeah, what I thought. Yeah, because that would be the ultimate victory over the Doctor, um to get him to basically to just kill a child who at that point is still innocent. Like that's you know twisting somebody who is wonderful, like the Doctor, into his own image, Davros's image. That would be worth it to somebody as kooky as davros Uh to you know to lose his entire (laughs) life to have have that moment of victory before he dies because from his perspective he still got to live his life um so i thought that was what was kind of going to be happening and in the end it it was the exact opposite it was the doctor instilling a little bit of his compassion into davros Uh so i mean it was it was really just a mirror of the exact opposite of what i was expecting davros to be trying
0: so i thought i saw also some very clever people on twitter Saying "aha," but why is Stephen Moffat trying to convince us that the Dalek has never s- said mercy before? Because we know that the the Dalek that River Song kills in mm-hmm. the Big Bang, um, yep, is says mercy. Uh, To which I I have two things to say. One is, I don't think that they ever said that they've never said it before. And two, the Doctor wasn't there when it begged for mercy. And three, the reason it could beg for mercy is because the Doctor goes back in time
1: and is merciful to Davros in this episode. That's how Mm -hmm. Doctor Who works. Yep. Yeah. Everything in this episode, nothing... Nothing previous is now contradicted, and I mean, I like the fact that, that Doctor Who is not a slave to its own continuity. That's one of my favorite things about the show that things change all the time. But in this case, there's there's nothing that doesn't still fit together. Everything that Davros did, at least on screen, I, I have not listened to the Big Finish audios, um, but everything that happened on screen can still make yeah. sense with the Doctor being the one who you know almost abandoned him and then didn't abandon him, and and you know the because da- Davros wouldn't have figured it out early on exactly i I
0: think paul cornell was tweeting about this that that early Mm -hmm. on he wouldn't there was no tardis the first couple of times he saw the doctor he didn't see the tardis
1: yep so he would never have made the
0: connection he didn't look the same didn't act the same didn't make the connection and at some point off screen he would have made the connection and we didn't see Mm -hmm. that moment which is fine but then then you can go back to the stolen earth And see Davros try to talk about their whole Mm -hmm. whole history together, and David Tennant kind of shuts him down. It's like he might have been making the move right then, but you know. So it's it it actually, and that's I think the advantage of having Stephen Moffat have his encyclopedic fanboy knowledge (laughs) of Doctor Who is that he doesn't he know he he knows he doesn't have to paint within those lines, but he loves he loves it when he can. I
1: think, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think. my favorite Stephen Moffat episodes are the ones that just sort of, uh, you know, he adds something that just sort of adds some shading or some coloring to what has been here all along. So he really adds a little bit of depth to the whole Davros and Dalek story. I mean, he also explains why the Daleks say "exterminate, exterminate" yeah. when they're shooting, which seems like such a silly thing until, until he points out, you know, through Missy that uh, that the you know Cybermen rep- repress emotions and the Daleks channel it through a gun like that's they're reloading every time they say it i love yeah that. that
0: was that was amazing and the fact that if you if a dalek tries to say i love you all it can say <laughs> is exterminate
1: in, any emotion oh it's just that's, beautiful that is amazing it's beautiful
0: i, I had one last question for you which is looking at this two-part episode Stephen Moffat gets a lot of criticism online, and you know everybody who is ever going to be involved creatively in Doctor Who is going to get that. A lot of criticism, though, for his uh, women characters and and uh, being a being a, a man who doesn't understand women and women characters and doesn't treat them very well. And I thought these two episodes were really interesting in that the the I thought the women in uh, Missy and and uh, and Clara, but also in the first episode uh, with UNIT that there were a lot of really good roles for women and that the women in these stories were doing really interesting things and and uh you know he he's a complex dude and some of his episodes are stronger and weaker on on these fronts because you know it's but but I I, I kind of can't look at this as well as the fact that there uh this this two-parter was directed by a woman there are women writers this season mm-hmm. I I kind of can't look at it and not think that this is perhaps on purpose that he's trying to do better in terms Mm of uh, women in Doctor Who.
1: I think that he has been trying to do well all along and I, I really get the impression that he has been listening to this criticism. And, and I do think that you're right that he's taken it on board and it's always trying to move forward. I mean, we've had Neil Gaiman saying that, that Stephen Moffat has been trying to court women writers to get them on the show for a long time and it just hasn't worked out. So I, I think he's always been moving in that direction. And then, you know, I come from a very feminist leaning podcast. You know, it's, it's kind of our, our raison d'etre. Mm-hmm. And most of us are incredibly pro Stephen Moffat. Um, you know, there are some of the smartest women, some of the most most you know politically leftist feminist women I know are huge fans of his writing and have written some of their favorite characters and those same characters are characters that are sometimes lambasted for being you know, terrible characters which I think is a sign of really good writing Mm. if you've got somebody on either side that's able to make a coherent argument for why somebody is either good or bad and you you have both of those things existing at the same time that is a a well drawn character that has enough depth that somebody can pick out that many different threads and and those many different things to see Um, I think that the fact that we have so many different female characters that get pointed at is a score in his favor. He's actually written some of the, you know, a lot of women characters and some of the strongest ones, I think, Uh on the entire show. So, um, I was was thrilled to see this particular two-parter because, yeah, there were, I mean, I don't know how many minutes went by in the first episode where we just had women talking to each other and they weren't talking about the doctor. And I just wanted to. S- in fact, Clara kept saying, "You know, no, we're not bringing the doctor yeah. into this. He wouldn't be. In- He'd go all Scottish on us. So let's let's just continue talking about the crisis at hand." And then and then the villain comes in, and you have this great scene that's just between you know a a, a good guy and a bad guy. Except it's not a guy. They're both women. That's something you just never see on television. So I'm I'm. You know, maybe I'm just a Moffat apologist, but I think that he's done a pretty fantastic job and I do think that he is trying to get better and better all the time. I just think that, <clears throat> as Tansy, I think, said on on Verity once, his idea, his ideas sometimes about uh, male-female interactions channel kind of like a 1940s, um, you know, comic noir yeah. film so it's it's really sort of you know the thin man kind of kind of stuff which maybe doesn't always play as well in the uh 2010s but uh i still tend to find it charming
0: yeah i and i i agree i think that i think that he I think that sometimes maybe he either was going for the joke because he is, a, I, I mm-hmm. believe at his heart, he is a comedy writer. I mean, we talk about him doing Dr. Who, but having seen him do coupling, I feel like he's even, even in his dramatic stuff, he wants to have humor. Um, and that sometimes he made choices, certainly in the past, that were, were maybe not fantastic because he wanted to go for the joke. But at the same time, you know, I always, I thought the characters on coupling were, were interesting. And I think that, uh, mm-hmm. Amy is a good example of a character who, he gets some criticism for because of some of the sexual connotations, the, the mm-hmm. sexuality that Amy has and the sensuality that Amy has. And it's like, oh, look, he's making the companion a sex object. And yet I felt like you could also very much read that as that Amy is her own person and making her own choices and yep. and, and neutering her is not solving uh, positive portrayals of women, that she she has her own agency. And that means that if she wants to make a move on the doctor, she gets to do that. And that is not right. So I I don't know. So yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I feel like he's stronger at this than he gets credit for.
1: It is all too rare, I think, on television to see a female character who is comfortable with her own sexuality and has agency in that department. And I you know, we, we get to see that from male characters all the time. Sure. And I don't like the idea that in a, a female character, the only way for her to be considered, you know, sort of okay or well written from a feminist perspective is to just not touch that area of, of their personality. Right. And I, so, so, yeah, I, I agree. I'm on board with all Team right. Amy in that, in that case. And River, too, which
0: is also—we could also Mm -hmm. talk talk about the litany of how many strong um, women who are not 22 years old are Mm -hmm. frequently seen on TV, and River is that, so— and timey-wimey, you know, but still. Well, yes, there's that. You always throw that in there, too.
1: Yeah, and then there's, you know, we have the arguments on Verity. Of, I think I liked River better and better the, as she went on. Deb feels the exact opposite <laughs> way. So <laughs> it's really, you know, these are complex characters, complex storylines. And, you know, somebody's going to find something good in it. Somebody's going to find something less good in it. But if, if, if there's enough to chew on there, I think that that's a, a, a strong point in his favor. It's a good sign. So overall, this two-parter, now
0: that it's completed, uh, what,
1: what do you think? Uh, thumbs up? Yeah, definitely a thumbs up. The only question I have is, why didn't the Daleks in the sewer? Um, also, actually, I have to say, I love that last line, uh, Dalek Supreme, your sewers are revolting. Yes. <laughs> Made oh. me laugh. But um, <laughs> uh, why didn't they try to kill Clara and Missy in the first place? Like, why Why did they try to kill that Dalek down there? And then why did they go crazy and kill all the Daleks? I mean, I guess maybe he planted the seeds for that in Asylum of the Daleks but and the, like the the puncturing the
0: holes in the one Dalek they all try to get in maybe exactly. there's like really awesome Dalek food or something in there that they can regenerate they just hate themselves they want to get self-hating. back in a the tank they they don't you know they could kill people mm. but or they could get back in their tank where they want to that's true you
1: know she did say I think he wants to steal your motor or I think they want yeah. to steal your motor so oh, yeah okay all right thanks you've made it all make sense thanks, thanks Jason <laughs> there you go you're welcome that's what I'm here for to explain <laughs> the Dalek source to people uh,
0: finally I have fulfilled my destiny <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. I think we've I think we've uh, covered the witches' uh, familiar a little mm-hmm. bit, and uh, and so next week we have uh, we have a new. Is this one a two part or two, or is this one of those interlinked?
1: I episodes? I don't know. I have not been looking forward. I t- I tend to just try not to know too much ahead of time. So yeah, I can tell you. I
0: I, I'll, I will say this is the least spoiled I have ever been for Doctor Who. I have I have <laughs> no idea what's going on. It's actually kind of great,
1: isn't that fun? I like that, yeah,
0: like Davros, no idea, no idea he well, was gonna be okay
1: it. i got I got spoiled on Davros, yep. I knew that nope. he was coming ac- accidentally, whoops, no fine,
0: well, whatever it is, next week is under the lake, and uh. I will be joined next week if schedules all work out by Serenity Caldwell. So that'll be fun. Right. So everybody stay tuned for that. And I got to start scheduling people for the rest of the season too. Mm-hmm. But um, Erica, thank you so much. It was an honor to be able to steal <laughs> you away or at least be your, be your backup plan. Be your plan <laughs> B for Verity for no, a week.
1: It was an honor for me to be able to be here. Oh,
0: that's mm-hmm. very nice. And thanks, everybody out there, for listening to the uh, latest Doctor Who Flashcast. We will be back next week with more, because there's more Doctor Who to come. Yay!
1: woo
0: All right, we'll see you next week.
1: Doctor Who Flashcast on the incomparable Doctor Who Flashcast Doctor Who Flashcast Doctor